Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It is. And The Zone Sports Network. Right corner, Bogdanovich, three, Boyan. Here's a fast break. Bogdanovich with his back to the defense, to the play, steals it, then throws a baseball outlet to Ingles, who scores it. Beautiful pass as Bogdanovich throws a touchdown to Ingles. Ahead to Joe Ingles, right side Bogdanovich, drives the baseline, powers by Wiggins and lays it up and in. He just put a left shoulder into Wiggins and he folded a bit like a deck chair getting out of the way to put the Jazz up by seven. Loose ball, tapped all the way out, Conley has it. Conley sets his feet, cross-court pass Donovan, right side three, pow! 194, minute to play. Donovan at the top, guarded by the 6'8", Covington. Comes off the pick, drives, kicks to the corner, Bogdanovich, contested three, perfect, ball game. Well, what a difference a couple of days make, Gordon, as the Jazz get that split. We talked about that yesterday with the Timberwolves. They beat them 103-95. Uh, I know uh, Locke put it this way, and Scotty talked about it as well uh, today on his show, but it was kind of exactly opposite of the game that was here in Salt Lake City. But Donovan Mitchell trashes, trash talks with a fan, yes, hits some big shots. And that tends to spur him on. It does. Yeah, opposing fans, because uh, what was it? It was the game last year. Yeah. In, who was that against? Uh, who was that? Was it against the Bulls? I uh, don't remember. Where he said, this is your fault? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. So, was, that so, was that Atlanta? No, I, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'd have to go back and look, but uh, yeah. He so, likes it. He said he has fun with it. It was Detroit. Detroit. That's right. Thank you, Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mitchell goes for 26. Uh, Bogdanovich. Uh, was shooting red hot. He had 30. And Andrew Wiggins, I'm, I'm not going to say the T-Wolves might be better without Andrew Wiggins, but if he's going to be a volume shooter like that and shoot like that, then he didn't do him any favors well, last the, pro- the problem for the T-Wolves was that they did not perform well when uh, Carl Anthony Towns was on the floor. Minus 20. The Jazz made a great defensive adjustment yeah. with him. Uh, and Rudy showed you a little something in that regard as far as getting out on him and covering him a certain way. One thing that the Jazz had in common with, with the loss a few days before was that they, they're they still not shooting the ball particularly well. I know Bogdanovich had had a nice night uh, and uh, uh, Rudy was uh, efficient. As and Conley normally. was better. Conley, Conley, when he plays like that, it gives the Jazz a huge lift. Donovan Mitchell still not efficient, but the Jets had seven three-pointers in the last, like, seven and a half minutes of that game. That helps. That'll make a difference. That'll make a huge difference. Yeah. By the way, with, with Rudy real quick and, and on that adjustment, isn't that what you love about Rudy? So, so Rudy has become an incredibly versatile defender. It, it's, it might be the most underappreciated thing about him, where the Jazz said, okay, you're a great rim defender. But now we want you to be a great defender on the floor. Yeah. And we want you to, to, to defend the pick and roll like a guy who's 6'3 instead of a guy who's 7'1. <laughs> and Rudy said, yeah, yeah, you got, okay, it. I, I got I'm this. On it. Yeah, you bet. And, and he did that last year, and it's why he absolutely deserved the Defensive Player of the Year. But how about uh, another example? Hey, Rudy, you know, we're going to need you to get a little further out there. We, we're gonna <laughs> like need 25 you, feet. We're going to need you to do a little more. <laughs> And Rudy, you're already a one man. He is. It's amazing, and and their their adjustment against Minnesota is is pulling Rudy aside and saying, "Hey, Rudy, 
See that we're, guy out there standing there 28 feet out? Go get him. We're, we're going to need you to, to do a little more. And, and by the way, after you're done with him, get back here and protect the rim. Go go have a game. And then give him a pat on the backside. And then he and then he absolutely goes out and does it. I mean, yeah. it, he, he deserves more credit than he gets for the improvement that he's made. And he basically just does everything the coaches ask, ask of him. And it's, it's really amazing. Well, he's got the dimensions to do it, and he's got enough athleticism. You put those two things together, and that is really, really potent. But there's another thing, and it's pride. Pride. He's got a lot of pride. After that game the other Monday night, he, uh, not forget, he was sitting in the locker room, and he said, got to study the film and, and get better. And that's that's exactly what he did because he was found himself in the right place at the right time over and over again. And when you have that kind of attitude, it's not just attitude, though. It's obvious. It's, he's got the size and he's he's got the uh, he's got some talent, I'd say. So that that's just terrific when you have him and it frees other guys up to to do some things as well. But the combination of Rudy playing like that, Bogdanovich. See, this is what we're talking about when we say the Jazz have these additional weapons so that when Mitchell has sort of a he was 9 at 24. He was 5 at 10 from 3, which was nice and he hit some big shots down the stretch. How about that crossover? But he was still minus 11. Yeah, which is amazing. That really jumps off the page, doesn't it? Because you look at the rest of the Jazz uh, uh, starting lineup. and uh, Mike you, Conley, plus 28. Bogdanovich, plus 38. O'Neal, plus 36. Uh, yeah. you, you know what that is, though, and why the plus-minus is sometimes not the most reliable of stats? Donovan is playing a lot of time with the bench and trying to, to – you know, keep the scoring going while the bench is out there. And the Jazz are just not a deep team right now. That, the bench, bench, is, that bench is a problem. It, it is an issue. It's yep. it's just not it's not terrific. And I don't know if it can get better, you know, if, if those guys can play better and they can kind of get better internally or if they just need a Davis back or uh, we is could break worth? that down. But but that's, that's part of the problem is yeah. Mitchell's trying to prop up that lineup. I, I agree with you on that. And, and Quinn is a little defensive about it because, you know, he doesn't want – his bench to be having self-esteem problems and whatnot. It's tough enough already. They are aware that they're not really uh, hauling the freight. And so he doesn't want to add more pressure to them. He wants the team to stick together. And you can see the usefulness in that. But the bench has to play better. I mean, I think that's fair for anyone yeah, to they, say. Well, they, they – I mean, look at the plus – we'll stick with plus minus for a second. Jeff Green had a plus three. All right. But then from there, Joe Ingles minus ten in twenty-seven minutes. George Niang minus ten in five minutes. Yeah. Uh, Dante Exum minus sixteen in eight minutes, and Emmanuel Mudiay minus twenty-four in sixteen minutes. I mean, he was one of a sudden from the floor, and that, that's a departure from what he has usually been for the Jazz. Well, I mean, the inconsistent is what's going on with the bench right now, and that's that's the nicest word I can, I can think of. They, they've got to figure something else out there. I think the most surprising one for me is Joe. I don't know what's the matter with Joe. What's going on? And Joe's usually very upfront about his uh, self-evaluation and whatnot, and that's one of his charms. But uh, he is, this is not the Joe Ingles we're used to seeing. No, in 27 minutes, one of four for uh, he had three points, four assists, two steals, four rebounds, uh, and usually and he's passing up shots. He is uh, passing up. He, shots. he was four of twelve on Monday night, so maybe maybe he's a little you know double clutching a little bit. But 
he has got to be Joe Ingles. That's all. That's all the Jazz want to be. And they ask a lot of him. I get it. They ask him to play defense. And he had some casual passes last night. He just needs to, as you like to say, Jake, he just needs to tighten. Just tighten it up. <laughs> no, that's the thing. He's probably, I mean, it's probably a convergence of a few things for him. He's probably not playing all that well. Uh, he's he's in a different role. I mean, there's probably a few things that are going on with him. But, yeah, I he's... It, when, when we when he, excuse me when we were talking about Joe going to the bench in the off season and that being a possibility and then through preseason, we were talking about how important that role is. Yeah, and that's why they want somebody like Joe Ingles in that role. You know, it's that still is yes, that still exists. That's an important role. Him, the leader of that group, especially that group that's struggling, that's a really important role, and he's got to figure it out for sure. Are you surprised that? The Jazz are missing Ed Davis as much as they are. No, I'm not. Because Ed Davis was going to sort of fill the role of Derek Favors. Correct. And, and we, so you don't have Derek, and now you don't have Ed. And Tony Bradley he, doesn't appear ready. He's just not ready. Well, I mean, what Derek did, and, and Dennis Lindsay talked about this on our show uh, at times. I know we talked about it at Locker Room, uh, locker room Cleanout. You know, the Jazz don't win some playoff series if not for Derek Favors. Yeah. Remember that Clippers series where, where Rudy went down right away? Mm-hmm. I, they don't win that series if Derek Favors can't step in and, and fill the void. I mean, there were there were games that he finished. We've talked to, uh, talked about those at lengths. I mean, one of the, the luxuries the last couple of years with the Jazz have is when Rudy came off the floor, the – the, the drop-off was not not bad at all. No, right. You had the best backup center in the league. Yeah. So you faced you know significant opposition for the entire game against the Utah Jazz. Ed Davis is not the, as good a defender as Derek Favors is or not as tough around the rim. He's a not great as, rebounder, don't get me wrong, yeah. but he's not as big. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But he's good. And we thought, okay, well, he can, he can fill that void, but boy – it gets it gets tough from there because Epe Udo is probably a better player right now than Tony Bradley. How many? Oh yeah, I, I don't think there's much doubt. Maybe not offensively, uh, but uh, but for what we're talking about, right. filling in for Rudy. So has this thought crossed your mind thus far? And I know this is an absolutely mindless, stupid thought, and I'm not suggesting that those are the kinds of thoughts that you think. But has it crossed your mind where would the Jazz be this year if they had Derek Favors? Still. I know um, it's, it's wishful thinking and there's no real use to it, but I, I've i thought it. And well, I, And I wonder, man, it's too bad they had, to, they had to let him go in order to rebuild the way they did. But they miss him. They miss what he's able to do, especially with that hurt like we were talking about. And I don't know what they're going to – would you do something – would you uh, would you work a trade? Would you look for someone to sign to change this? Would you use up some of your versatility in order to give this bench some help? No, not yet. Well, Ed, I guess Ed's going to be back in well that nobody knows. Really, well, we right? don't know. He's going to be reevaluated. Two and a half, three weeks, something like that. Is when he's going to be reevaluated. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we just don't know. So uh, you did have break to his leg, didn't he? I mean, fracture, fracture, not a, whatever. I mean, not a yeah. compound fracture, but yeah, there <laughs> well, was his a, bone wasn't sticking out the side of his leg. So uh, I mean, you'd have to have that information to to make a, a decision on this. If if I'm only 
I can weather the storm for a few more weeks without Ed Davis, right? The Jazz are about to – they have two home games and they're going on a tough road, roadie, and I, I think they're really going to miss Ed at that point. So, but for how long is the question. Yeah. And I might keep my eyes open. Uh, maybe there's um, – you know, maybe there's a score that hits the buyout market when we get to that time of year. So, I mean, certainly no need to be impatient. The, the Jazz record is fine. They're in good standing in the West. No need to to flip out. But, yeah, Ed Davis needs to come back. That in needs the, to happen. In the meantime, what the Jazz need to do is everything that Quinn talks about. After losses, after wins, it's about being connected it's at the defensive end and the offensive end. It's about knowing where guys want the ball. The ball. Uh, there was a period in the fourth quarter in that game last night, Jake, when I thought, okay, that is what I expected the offense to look like. The ball was moving and guys were hitting shots. And we haven't seen that come together, especially those four guys. You know, they really came together for a time there. And I just think that's what this team is capable of doing on a fairly consistent basis. We just haven't seen it yet. Except for when I think that period, well, it was kind of skewed by the fact that Mike Conley had that 18-point quarter. Remember that? Yeah. And I saw it again last night over, over a stretch of possessions. So I know what this team has it in them, man. They just gotta they just gotta make it happen. All right. Gordon, a story that we haven't talked about and, and I feel like maybe we should have. Uh, I've seen little bits and pieces about this uh, kinda come about, but Major League Baseball is attempting to make a change to their minor league system. A drastic and, reduction. Well and minor league payer, players are trying to get paid a little more. And so it's it's this kind of thing that's meeting with some controversy, all right? So basically wants to streamline their minor league system, and that would mean uh, shuttering 42 minor league teams, or at least disassociating from those minor league teams. Right. And included in those minor league teams are the Oromals and the Ogden Raptors. Now they could have possibly the op- uh, the the opportunity to stay independent of sort and almost be kind of a, a semi pro league that yeah. they might put together. That sounds difficult, but extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. So I don't know how that would go. But Bernie Sanders, of all people, released a statement about specifically the Owls and the Raptors. The good senator had an opinion, did he? Uh, so I thought we'd go through this real quick. But I I, I do want your opinion on what's going on with, right. with Major League Baseball. Uh, Here's what uh, Bernie Sanders said. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders on Wednesday slammed a proposal by wealthy baseball owners and executives (laughs) to shutter two minor league baseball teams across Utah. The Ogden Raptors and Orem Owls would close under a major league baseball proposal designed to slash costs after minor league players filed a lawsuit demanding to be paid the minimum wage. Quote, closing down minor league teams like the Ogden Raptors and Orem Owls would be a disaster for baseball fans, workers, and communities across utah senator sanders said we must protect these teams from corporate greed unquote major league baseball teams are as much a part of the country's economy and cultural fabric as the field of dreams where sanders hosted and played in a softball game in august uh quote by threatening to rip baseball out of utah communities the billionaires who control america's pastime are showing their true colors bernie 2020 western press secretary joe cavallello said Quote, this isn't about uh, what's good for baseball. It's about greedy executives refusing to give even a tiny bit more of their massive wealth to the young people who keep their business booming, unquote. 
Then add Sanders' politics were shaped early in life when his beloved Brooklyn Dodgers were moved away from his home city. The move left an economic and cultural hole in Brooklyn. That remember, is the statement. I remember talking to Frank Layton about that move with the Dodgers, and he, he said that was the day uh, sports really changed. Okay, a couple things here. And this gets rather deep, actually. But how do you feel about businesses which were established to make money do things that increases their profitability, or at least potentially, but people lose their jobs or their entertainment value or their their personal connection to those things. I mean, what? where is what owed to? Huh? You know what I mean? So, I, and I've got something really profound for you okay. on this, Gordon. You ready? <clears throat> I'm torn. <laughs> Here we go. You got a devil on one shoulder and you got an angel on the other. So, Major League Baseball is a business. They are. They're, they're out to make a buck, right? And like, like any other business out there. And do they have a certain, uh, you know, do they, do they have certain responsibilities to the communities in which they operate? I think they do. Right. I mean, I'll just talk about uh, the Raptors for a second, but I think you can make uh, similar arguments about the Owls. I mean, the Raptors are, are a part of that community uh, they, up there. They've in been Ogden. there forever. And we, so, so many great players have come through <laughs> there. And Lindquist Field up the, there is, is awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. And the, the backdrop in the summer is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, they mean a lot to the, the community up there in Ogden. They do. We've seen it firsthand. So does... Does Major League Baseball, is it okay for them to make decisions that will make them more money? Yes, they're a business. But is there a community tie there where there's some some responsibility? Yes, I agree there too. So we see this in, in corporate America all the time. Is it okay to move the factory over the ocean because it's going to save that business X amount of dollars, but x community in ohio is right. supported by that factory that's there so where is the the social responsibility as opposed to you, you know you're a business you you're there to make money it's it's delicate and thus, there, i'm torn you're there to make money you're there to give shareholders as much of that green stuff as they can possibly get and we've i've we've seen this in the economy over well it's probably been a formula since time began but where people want, certain people want more money. And so those who have helped build that industry, helped build that company, are now seen as disposable. And so where is the responsibility of those who make the decisions on the part of the company? Is it to the people upon whose shoulders the company was built? Or is it to those who are now in positions to profit off of the company moving forward? We see this in some businesses where all the profit is stripped away from the business and not put back into the business, but put into the pockets of shareholders. We see that all the time. And meanwhile, they're building mansions uh, along a beach somewhere where people who have helped provide that kind of money by building the business into a quality product or a a quality organization now are uh, hit the bricks, man. So what do you do? What do you do? Which is is more important? See, I think the best companies 
and and I'm probably over my skis a little bit here because I'm no you know NBA well, well, by any in, means. So, so I. but I I feel like the we best. We talk more about the NBA than the NBA. I feel like the best comp- <laughs> the best companies try to, to try to balance the two. I mean, you, you know, give back to the communities that you're a part of. I, I actually think uh, the, the the company we we work for, the, the Miller Group, is actually a pretty good example of this. I mean, try to be a positive impact on the community, become a part of, of the community and do everything you can. But at the same time, uh, you know, run a successful business. I, I you, you know, you said something. Is it really your obligation to give as much green as possible to the shareholders? I think some companies don't think that that's necessarily the goal. Is that what it's, the shareholders think? It's to do it all, right? And and actually, you can benefit financially by being uh, a, a good member of the community. I mean, those things can go hand in hand. Well, yeah, yeah okay. So it, the best scenario is a win-win, right? You make a good, solid profit. You have good growth. And you benefit your workers, your employees, everybody involved in the process and the community in which you live. I mean... But what do you do in this case where minor league baseball players are complaining about the pay they get? And so those in in positions of power say, "Okay, we'll just strip away a bunch of teams. And so every third player is going to benefit. But the other two out. So so the very complaint that was lodged ends up hurting um, uh, many, many players who will no longer be able to pursue their dreams. And maybe those players never were in a position to pursue those dreams, and they're doing them a favor so they can kick them out into society and have them pursue another dream. But this thing was prompted by the players themselves who wanted more money. And, look, some of those guys were making, what, less than minimum wage? Yeah, well, and the other side of this, too, is that this was actually spurred on by the Houston Astros, who believe they've found a better way to evaluate talent. They say with... Yeah, with, they, uh, they just operate video cameras all over the place. Right, with tech... <laughs> well, part of that is true, that they, they, feel, they feel like there's so much more information because of technology that's out there. They can more easily evaluate players as opposed to, you know, we need a big pool and we need to actually, I don't know, watch them play baseball in order to decide who's good and who's not. And once they decide who's good, they bring them in and then they steal signs with video cameras to uh, benefit those players even more. But you can see about it like, okay, so how many Orem Owls players or Ogden Raptors players are actually going to make the show? What's the percentage of that? What, you'd say 3%? pretty low i don't know i'm just guessing you know it's pretty low so if you're a major league baseball team you look and say well why am i paying these salaries when only three percent of what i'm looking at is actually going to make it to where it could really benefit me but that's a really callous way to do it right because those why was it established that way in the first place is it because uh because those who do make their way through the system have to have a competitive setting where you can you can make those evaluations right you 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 have to be playing in order for them to be to discover you well there's a zillion different ways for you to be discovered now well just poke and prod and well yeah i mean film right yeah but they still have to play but yeah, but you have more opportunities to see what they've got. Well, you're like, right. See their it's, a, it's a numbers game, and most of these guys will never make it that far. And so they're looking at it and saying, why, why, would, we, why would we continue to invest this way? The problem is, once they, once they get rid of the 42 teams, 
how much of that money that they're saving is going to actually end up in the minor leaguers who are left over their pockets, and how much is going to end up in their own pockets? Oh, yeah, probably all into their so own So then pockets. the evil empire gets even more. Well, I don't think... And that's what Bernie's talking about here, although I don't know if this is populist language he's going after the vote in Utah or what. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Uh, I was a little surprised by that, but I guess so. Uh, but the, Shouldn't they, he be concentrating on reducing student debt? But his the, the, the thing on this is, joking, though, I'm joking here, really. is that Major League Baseball isn't doing this to be able to pay minor league baseball players more. That's not that's their, just the excuse. That's not, I don't think that's even their excuse. I think it just coincides with their demands. Hmm. Nobody, nobody ever talked about their demands being met. So what happens to the fans of the Raptors and the Owls? What, what happens to those folks? Have a good time at the Bees game? I wonder if they would be willing to pay more money to watch the minor leaguers. Well, I think I don't think that that would matter, and we're way over here, so maybe we can get back to okay. this this later. But I, I don't think that that would matter because basically Major League Baseball is saying we're not going to pay the salaries or a portion thereof for these teams anymore. And so it makes it hard for these teams to exist because they need the players in the system, right? Right, right. That's why independent ball isn't isn't huge. So the Pioneer League's going to take a major hit. Right. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.